Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi, Editorial Director of Device Talks and co-host of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Welcome to our newest podcast. It's called Medtronic Talks. As I promised up top, we'll be bringing you at least twice a month the thoughts and insights of Medtronic's leaders, including its CEO, Jeff Martha. Jeff Martha has been on our Device Talks weekly podcast a couple of times. I know he'll be a regular contributor to the Medtronics Talks podcast as well. So please do subscribe if you don't want to miss any of these important podcasts. Just push the subscribe button on your Apple, Google, Spotify player, whatever it is, and future podcasts will be sent directly to you. I did this interview with Jeff back in February. In this conversation, we hit upon several of their businesses, talked about their opportunities, and their challenges. Jeff is uh, is a great interview. He's very forthright and direct, and I know you will enjoy this conversation. So without any further delay, let's hear from Jeff Martha, the CEO of Medtronic. Well, Jeff Martha, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here, Tom. So you had a, a great earnings report today, or good earnings report today. Uh, wanted to go over the uh, some of the details from that, but also uh, kind of get an update on the uh, the reorg and the, that your folks are undergoing. Uh, I think you announced that it was uh, it was done. At least that was my understanding. But let's let's first get into uh, into the business. You had indicated that February was stronger than January, and I think you anticipate March will be stronger than February. So we're moving in the right direction. Uh, give us uh, an overall sense of uh, Medtronic's performance. Sure. Well, look, we were uh, we're really pleased with our our fiscal Q3 performance. You know, especially in the in the backdrop of of the recent COVID surge. I mean, we're making progress sequentially, quarter over quarter, in terms of getting back to closer to more normal levels of revenue growth as well as profitability. You know, launched a number of products that are having an impact, and you know, we're taking share. And continue to advance the pipeline, you know, for the products that haven't launched yet. Some of these are blockbuster potential here with like the surgical robot and Ardian. So it was, it was a good quarter for us um, and, and hopefully, a, you know, a good quarter in a series of quarters here. We're, we're just consistently executing like this. In terms of the, um, you know, the overall market backdrop, you know, we, we, we said that um, we believe March will be better than February, April better than March. Quite frankly, we haven't seen, you know, so for us the second wave or this latest wave of COVID, it really didn't start to impact elective cases from our per- perspective mm-hmm. or our recovery didn't like slow down and actually turn, turn down a bit until late December. So later than maybe some of our competitors, and I think part of that is because of our, so many new products out there that, that, uh, that, that masks it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it went into January and into February, and we really thought we'd see by now a turn. Now, we're very optimistic that's going to happen. We think it's delayed a week or so because of the weather that we've had in the United States. But, you know, we are in talking to hospital CEOs, you know, we're, you know, 
they're very bullish in terms of the you know snapback they anticipate in elective procedures. And uh, like we talked about on our earnings call, we're seeing our capital equipment, which is, as you know, Tom, is tied to procedures, whether it be uh, energy consoles for energy uh, surgical products, energy consoles for surgical products, or be imaging or navigation equipment for our neurosurgery procedures or actually our robots. This, this type of stuff is selling at record numbers. Uh, each one of them is either at a record or near record number. Uh, in, in our stealth station navigation has been out there for years. And so, so we believe this is a leading indicator of what's to come uh, with, with the bounce back or snapback, I'll call it, the procedures in the United States. And we think Europe will lag by a few, uh, you know, a few months, actually, but, uh, but uh, we'll experience something similar. Have you, for the, for the larger capital items, have you had to introduce any new financing to assist the hospitals in their purchasing, or are they able to manage that still on their own? You know, we, we haven't introduced new financing. Just anything, we've been offering more and more financing over time because capital equipment's become a bigger you know, part of our business. At the, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't a big need. But now that capital's become a bigger part, we've gotten more sophisticated in our customer financing options. Um, but that isn't so it's a part of that is, is a result of COVID. It is actually now that I think about it back a couple of months ago, you know, particularly with our Missouri robot, we, we didn't want to slow the adoption of that because it's such an important component of our strategy and a leading indicator, I think, of our spine business. And so we did uh, a couple of months ago introduce some new financing options. Uh, that's helped. And I've, I've seen some of our competitors or even, you know, people in capital equipment that we don't compete with uh, are, are using more financing as well for what we can tell. But I, 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 that's helped. But I really think the bigger message here is hospitals gearing up for, for procedures. And you mentioned that new products might have masked the the slowdown a bit. Why, why would that be? I'm not sure because it's you're allowing for new procedures to be done. What's the connection between a new product? Well, I think it's taking share. Yeah. So, so we're taking share. I mean, and um, so we're getting growth uh, in excess of, of the market. Um, and, and I think that, that that's what I mean by that. Okay, great. So let's, let's talk a bit about the new products. You talked about that you had 46 approvals last quarter and you've had 220 right. since last June. January. Uh, January. Last January. Sorry, last last January. June, that'd be even better. That'd be even better. <laughs> it began with a J. Let me look, let me read my own notes. January. Yeah. Uh, so talk a bit about uh, some of the, uh, the ones that really have stood out and have been adopted quickly. Sure. Well, I mean, the uh, indication expansion for our micro leadless pacemaker, you know, the AV indication, uh, you know, indication expansion, and that has been a a huge standout. I mean, it's been growing, you know, like last quarter it grew 75% in the United States, 64% globally. And the quarter before that, it was even higher growth. And so that's been a real standout. And it's it's really redefining the pacemaker market with all its, you know, the fact that it's leadless and can be inserted with a catheter versus a procedure. So that's that's a big one. And then our, our, our various neuromodulation franchises, we've been investing in, in, you know, we invented neuromodulation 20 some years ago. And then, you know, m- you know, maybe five plus years ago, we had fallen, you know, more than you know, five, about seven years ago, we'd fallen behind and, and, and started losing share there. And, and we made a lot of investments over the last few years in, in, in our neuromodulation platforms. And, you know, those products are coming to market. So one is our deep brain stimulation, our Percept uh, deep brain modulation system for Parkinson's that that has brain sensing in mm-hmm. it so you can actually listen I, like the way i like to say it is we're now having a two-way conversation with the brain before in dbs and our competitors you're just kind of screaming at the brain with energy modulating it to mitigate the symptoms now we can listen back to how, how the how the brain is how, is responding to that and then lead is us the ability to personalize the therapy so our percept system is the only one out there that has the ability to sense 
And, and then where, where you got more products coming, uh, our lead lists are, I'm sorry, our directional leads, uh, call, you know, we call them Sensite leads are coming in a couple of months. And so we really believe this is starting a multi-year, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think, market expansion and market share for DVS, for, for Medtronic. And then on pain, we did an acquisition, our pain stim, SCS, the spinal cord stimulation. We did an acquisition uh, a couple of months ago called Stimgenics and launched this new waveform on top of our existing uh, pain stim device called Intellis, which is, you know, got the best battery life, the smallest, et cetera. And then you add this algorithm to it, this new stim pattern. We've got great 12-month data, and that is leading to uh, some, some share gain there. Uh, despite a replacement uh, headwind that we've got. And, and then we've got, we, d- we announced at NANS in January that we're coming out with ECAPS, uh, you know, uh, of a compound action potential. And that is generating some excitement. So we're seeing a lot of momentum and pain. And then finally, pelvic health, you know, um, you know, this is neuromodulation or sacral nerve for overactive bladder. Um, that, that business, that market is, is starting to get to become a, a pretty decent sized market. I don't know, it's a billion or so. Our revenues, you know, over 700 million or so. And um, and so, uh, you know, that's growing double digits now. I mean, we've got a, a new competitor there, an Axonics, and, you know, uh, some of the new products that they've introduced and, and focus they've put on the markets help expand the market. But we've launched a new rechargeable system there, and it's. I think we've. We, I think we talked about our earnings commentary, like eight or so plus points a share that we've taken back in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those are all you know standouts for us that are out on the market, and and then I, I can't. I have to highlight our surgical business. You know, legacy. Uh, you know, Covidian surgery business had a really good quarter, and that's important for us because that's one of our big franchises. Is that one of the the the, the, the franchises that? really generates the cash and helps fund the innovation yeah, you is. spoke about earlier. Yeah. So for us, yeah. we've got our three biggest businesses, our cardiac rhythm business, so pacing, ICDs. That's one. Uh, our surgery business from Legacy Covidian and our spine business, including the capital equipment that goes with it. Those three uh, are generate a lot of the, the cash flow for the company. And then you've got your like high flyers, like neurovascular, mm-hmm. that's big and growing fast, you know, stroke. And then, you know, our structural heart, like Taver, and uh, that's also big and growing fast. You got your high flyers, but a lot of our cash flow comes from those other three big uh, businesses. And it, what's good about things right now for Medtronic is all three of those are growing at or above the market uh, and are, are all in the markets are doing fine and all of those. And we have a really strong pipeline. So when one of those three starts to lag, it really hurts. Uh, it really hurts. It puts pressure on the company and, and we feel good about where we are now and where we're, we're, we're the road ahead for all three of those businesses. And, and those businesses are going to get some competition as well. We've talked to the podcast last couple of weeks, Corsa Medical, and I don't know if you want to get into the details, but they're going to they're going in after surgical and Zimmer spun out their spine group. I don't know what that's going to become, but uh, mm-hmm. the competition is uh, is certainly out there. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I do feel low in, in spine. I know that a little bit better than the others because I, I used to run that division. I'm still learning the, the others a bit. I do feel like, you know, um, there used to be in spine, like, and there still is hundreds of competitors, but you're starting to see the market consolidate now right. because not everybody can afford. It's more than just about a screw and a rod and some new thread on a screw. And, and it's way beyond that. Now you're talking about interoperative imaging, navigation, uh, robotics. We just bought a company called Metacrea out of France that's mm-hmm. data and AI that's allowing for uh, surgical planning and personalized implants. I mean, so the game has gotten much more technical, which it needed to in spine. It needs right. to because the outcomes in spine are too variable and you're too reliant on you know, uh, physician skill 
And um, you're not going to train enough physicians around the world to democratize good spine surgery. So you need you need this technology. And so it's good, it's good for patients and it's good for Medtronic because we've been investing in this. And, and as, as the industry consolidates, we're going to be a winner. And we, and then that's really, that enabling technology has really taken our spine business from losing share, even shrinking a few years ago. Now it's into growing mid single digits and, and uh, you know, depending on the quarter holding or gaining share. Are there any products out there that uh, are needing a longer runway than you thought initially that maybe aren't getting the traction that you anticipated? Yeah, I'd, I'd say one, and not for the reasons you might suspect, is the is our diabetes uh, new pump 780G, which is launched in Europe but not in the U.S. and mm-hmm. it's gaining great traction in Europe. The problem is it's not in the United States yet. It's uh, it's our new closed loop system, and what it does is a couple of things. You know, first, it's got new algorithms on it. It's uh, and and it's uh, the time and range for these insulin dependent uh, diabetics is. You know, and it's very—it's like we've not seen before. And then it eliminates a lot of the hassle factor of our existing system alerts and alarms that go off, and keeps you in auto mode uh, a lot, a lot longer. And so the feedback we're getting from patients and physicians uh, has been phenomenal in Europe. And I just actually talking to investors—you know, some of these are longer investors in Medtronic. You know, that know MedTech, do their own market research, and just talking to them over the last few days around earnings, they're, they're, they're val- their own surveys are validating what we're hearing, which is always good. And, and it's getting great traction. The problem is it's delayed getting into the U.S. You know, the, 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 the approvals for di- and this is public knowledge, the approvals for diabetes products at the FDA is backlogged because that same division is focused on mm-hmm. COVID diagnostics. And so, I mean, I understand that when I say I'm frustrated, I'm not frustrated at the FDA, I'm frustrated at the situation. And the FDA has been been very good about communicating this. Uh, I, you know, it just doesn't mean I, I just don't like the answer. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the pipeline coming up. We can give a bit of an overview, but I'd love specifically to hear more about renal innovation, which is, uh, is uh, are you calling the product on or is that the name That's of the, the trial? Name of the trial. In terms of what we call the product, that, that that's something uh, interesting and, and even the procedure, but uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you. The, the OnMed is a trial. Okay. Okay. No, that's fine. So let's talk about that first. So where are we with rental division? I mean, I think you're talking about maybe going to the FDA later this year. Right. So, well, first of all, it, one, it's got breakthrough designation. Assuming this, uh, was it MSIT, that ruling stays, it survives the, the new administration here, the Biden administration, which we think it will, we automatically get mm-hmm four years of reimbursement upon FDA approval. And the what we're waiting for to go to the FDA uh, is this on-med trial, which is the, uh, the last piece of our pivotal work, pivotal clinical evidence generation, uh, which we anticipate those results will present, them, will present themselves uh, this year. It's a Bayesian trial, uh, which means it's, it's variable when, when you're, you've reached your endpoint. Um, and, uh, and, and so we, we expect to hear this year and present at TCT in the fall. And so, and we're, you know, based on all the work, you know, this is decades of gone of work and, you know, over a billion dollars has gone into this. We're, we're very excited and, and, and optimistic, um, about, uh, about what uh, renal denervation can do for, for patients. And, uh, talk a bit about the, uh, the effort you're working on with, with Half Moon, the, the Mitral Clip, the, the, the foundry project. Yeah, Sure. Um, you know, this one, this one's an interesting one. I mean, the first, the whole model, yeah. right. Of, of, um, if I take a step back, you know, just to kind of talk about Medtronic strategy or one of the thing that, that above, you know, all else you've heard, we'll talk about the new operating model and all that, but really what, what we're trying to do here, the leadership team of Medtronic is put more resources to work in terms of, uh, of R and D and we're doing it 
in traditional ways through putting into organic R&D. We're doing uh, a series of tuck-in, you know, acquisitions, which we can talk about. We've done like eight over the course of the last year or so. Um, we're, do, we're leveraging third-party money from like, uh, like Blackstone mm-hmm. to come in and augment. Um, and then we're looking at partnerships, like the foundry here, and, and to extend our R&D. And, and uh, in this case, this is a situation where uh, the foundry, as you know, in, you know invented the, the microclip and has you know, really great capabilities. And we decided we didn't tell them what to do. We said, this is what we, this is the end result that we'd like. And mm-hmm. can you figure out how to achieve that? And in the mitral repair area, and they came out with an interesting design and we, we funded, we provided the funding for this company, which we, which we call half moon. Uh, and there's pre, you know, you know, pre-negotiated um, uh, purchase, you know, agreement here. Uh, and so, um, and, and they've come out with a, we think in a very, innovative device that basically the way it's been explained to me and I've seen it, I thought it was good is you got these leaflets and, and we basically put a, you know, that aren't really touching and you get the, the, you know, the leakage there. And we put a backboard on one of the leaflets that enable it to, you know, it to close. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more sophisticated than that. But my sure. depth doesn't go too much deeper than that. <laughs> Works for me. And, you know, we, we've done a few cases. The first case I'm a little bit more aware of, uh, I think we've done two or three more since, and it, it had totally eliminated, it was easy to insert according to the physicians and, and uh, it, it completely eliminated the, uh, the MR, the, the mitral valve regurgitation. So, so we're excited about this. And obviously in that, that structural heart space is, I mean, p- people go back and forth on what's the biggest growth opportunity in healthcare and med tech. Is it, is it more, is it, is it, you know, structural heart related mitral and bicuspid? Is it, is it is surgical robotics, robotics? Is it uh, renal denervation? I don't know, but it's, it's a big growth area yeah. and we've got organic and inorganic shots on goal here. And, and, and the, the partnership with the foundry has been you know really good so far. And, and we're excited about this, this half moon venture. Now the foundry is a great group, but they are coincidentally also developed Ardian, which is your alliteration project now. Right. It's interesting though. You mentioned Blackstone, you mentioned the effort with the foundry. These are both almost kind of pharma-like models where you're bringing in private equity money to fund early state, fund ongoing business or partnering with startup efforts really early on at the concept stage. You not, usually didn't see that very often on, on MedTech. Uh, is this something you're looking to replicate either with a private equity firm or find some other uh, incubator effort out there? It is. It is. I mean, look, I, I first of all, well, strength of Medtronic, um, I, I think that it is our technology capabilities and platforms. I think our, our clinical or we're really good at clinical science. Uh, and then I think we're good at, you know, uh, taking these devices, therapies, products, and then globalizing and making them a standard of care, you know, so the commercial side of this, you know, and, and, and I have a lot of faith in our technology team. And so we're trying to give them as much uh, resources as possible to, to do, to work their magic. And our batting average is very high. Uh, and so that even third-party money, right? Third-party money is using like the Blackstone type of deals. It's all our people, all our ideas, all our IP. Mm-hmm. Something like the Foundry, we are using not just um, we're using in that case we're using our money uh, off our balance sheet. In the case of the Foundry, we're using our uh, some of our. There's new IP generated, but we put we contributed IP, um, and then we do contribute people, uh, you know, that go there on a uh, like a sequestered you know basis. Uh, but they contribute a lot of people. They generate new ideas and new IP as well. So it's not just our technical uh, capabilities it's in, in clinical, it's theirs as well. And so that is a, a little bit of a different model. Probably we'll do that less than I, I think the, you know, the Blackstone type of deals 
uh, bringing in third-party money because we do have a lot of ideas Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, it, there's not as many people out there that I believe that can do it as, as well as we can do it internally. Excellent. And final new product I wanted to talk about, uh, Hugo, people are interested yeah. in, in getting an update on the robot. Uh, look, the, uh, very, you know, we are excited about this. It's been a long road, uh, and, and mm-hmm. it's been a lot longer than, than certainly we wanted and, uh, to, to get it done. It's, it's, it's the most complicated project I think we've taken on certainly legacy Covidian, and even at Medtronic, there's a lot of moving parts here, building a robot from scratch and a lot of different technical components. The testing and the validation and verification work that we've been doing over the last couple of months has really gone really gone well, especially the past couple of like the past two or three months. Uh, and so we're on schedule to uh, which which we've been signaling to investors for a while uh, to file for the CE mark. Uh, as well as file for our USIDE here at the end of the calendar quarter here, so March, um, and uh, hopefully have our first surgery and our first sale uh, sooner than later. The first surgery would be in a, obviously in a, in a jurisdiction uh, that doesn't have the regulatory requirements for approval. Um, mm-hmm. But you know we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard here before we do a surgery. Uh, but the animal work's gone well, and, the, and like I said, the training with surgeons has gone well, and. You know, we're we're really. I'm I'm personally starting to shift my focus to uh, to the commercialization of it now. Why was it important to develop it internally as opposed to acquire? Was it just nothing attractive out there to acquire on the robot? On the robot. Well, yeah, this decision goes way back before me or even Chronic. <laughs> this was a. This started way back. I can't remember the exact date, but it's it's you know ten years or so. Okay. Covidian made this decision. I mean, it makes sense because look, they're a big franchise at the time, and now our biggest business is that surgery business. Yep. And. You know, you know, without a robot, I think you, you're, you're going to be marginalized in surgery over time. So many of these surgical procedures are moving to robotics. Physicians are partnering with companies that bring them the best technology, whether it be laparoscopic. There's still a lot of runway in laparoscopic, I mean, around the world. I mean, the growth in laparoscopic in terms of dollars is going to be more than the growth in robotics, I think, for a while. But the growth rates in robotics is going to be higher. So, you know, so Covidian made the decision to, to do this organically, and it started out I don't know if you heard this story before. Um, uh, they bought uh, some IP and technology and uh, some people from the the uh, basically Germans version of Germany's version of NASA. Oh. I think it's called BRP. I can't remember the exact acronym, but it's it's Germany's NASA. And we still have a facility uh, in Germany, real close to their one of their NASA. I can't remember DLP. I can't remember the, the acronym. But and I went to visit it once. It's it's really cool uh, and it's great technology. So that's how it all got started. I wouldn't call that inorganic um, because it was no. so early. Yeah. Um, and and by the time Medtronic got involved, this project was well on its way. And um, now, you know, it's 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 uh, been delayed, like I said, a couple of years earlier, uh, later than we originally thought. But still, I think the end product is going to be worth the wait. Excellent. No, that's a really interesting. I hadn't heard that. Well, let's let's move. That's a great uh, segue to M&A. Uh, a year ago, you said we'll be doing more tuck-ins. Today, you talked about a lot of the tuck-ins you did. Uh, we, we, you, you can highlight a few of the larger acquisitions if you'd like, but I'm more interested in knowing what does 2021 look like in terms of M&A for you? Are you going to be doing acquiring? Yeah, we're still we're still on the hunt for these um, tuck-ins. I mean, that's our, our focus, right? And tuck-ins are, by definition, first of all, they're, they're around our existing markets that we're in, our existing therapies or products. So, you know, surgery, you know, spine, you know, car- various areas of cardiology. So it's the areas that we're in. They tend to be early stage, right? So many cases, not commercial or just going commercial. Uh, they tend to be technology or clinically oriented. 
And, and then we, um, they are they're really an extension in my mind of, of our organic growth strategy. And we're going to continue to look for these. And I think they do need to be earlier stage. I mean, because, because a couple of reasons, one, uh, as, as these, you know, um, early stage companies, as they start to get, start to get closer to maybe an IPO and start to get their sites set on that, you know, the valuations, uh, these, I, the, the capital markets are, 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 are white hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know, for, for these type of products and the valuations get uh, tough once they get to an IPO. And now you've got SPACs out there as well. I almost wanted to ask you about SPACs. I'm like, no, it's too, too far afield. Yeah. Yeah. So you got SPACs out there as well that are looking for, for deals and they're looking for deals that are closer to that IPO uh, timeframe. So I think for us um, it works better to, to do them a little, I'm not saying we're not going to do later stage deals. I mean, we'd still do those. Um, but I think the, the 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 more the frequency will be these the which is what we've done over the last year. These eight deals are all you know tuck ins, relatively early stage, some earlier than others. So are the spacs really impacting the the price of uh, jacking up the price for M and A for for later stage properties? Not you know I haven't seen it for us yet. All right, yeah. we haven't like a deal that we were circling around. But like if you look at uh, some other med tech, you know, acquisitions like this uh, butterfly ultrasound company, I, I'm not yep. an expert on butterfly and all ult- that uh, ultrasound technology, but it went for, you know, over a billion, it was a well over a billion dollars. And, you know, based on what I know about the company, it was, you know, that's a high valuation. Yeah. And so, I mean, I could see that translating into our space. I don't know why it wouldn't. So nope, good point. Um, it could be, but, you know, we're going to turn around and, and, you know, we could partner with some SPACs. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm not anti-SPAC. I mean, I think we can <laughs> partner with some SPACs and, and use those to our advantage. So, but it, but it just, it just, um, it's just a reality. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you got to go. Let's just, I want to wrap up with the, uh, an update on the reorg. What is the status? Is it, is it uh, complete? Oh, no, it's not. I wouldn't say it's complete, but okay. what, 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 let me be specific. We want, we want live with it February 1st. And that's like the structural piece of it, right? So the, the decentralization into our, our business or what we're calling our operating units, uh, the 20 operating units, decentralizing into them, putting consolidating a lot of our decision-making into those operating units. We took out uh, over two layers of the company, not quite three, but uh, over two, uh, which helps with our agility and, and things like that. So that, that, that is done. Okay. And, and been announced and everybody knows and, and uh, the dust is still settling on that, but there's still this operating model is much broader than structural. Think mm-hmm. of that as kind of going from mainframe to PC, right? Okay. And but we still have software issues, right? We got to we got to rewrite the software, and so we are launching. Uh, we're still working on our new operating mechanisms. That's our like our our standard meetings, our quarterly business reviews, trying to streamline those, streamline some of our core processes, including our product development process. So we got to streamline the processes. We're putting new incentives out there, which we started last year. We're going to continue into this year. Like we, last time I talked, we talked about market share, mm-hmm. putting market share more into our annual bonus plan. We've already put it into our annual goals and objectives. We're now shifting to put that in our bonus plan. We needed a, a couple of quarters to learn how to measure market share um, more accurately because in a lot of the markets, you're you're triangulating, right? We like big comp, some of our larger competitors, like like a Boston Scientific or a or a, or a striker may have these products that are kind of buried in their PL. It's hard for us to tease out exactly how much. So we, we're getting better at doing that. And, and so uh, putting market share into our incentives. And then finally, our, our culture, our new cultural norms, uh, which we which work alongside our mission. You know, Medtronic, we're a very mission-driven company, not changing the mission at all. But the mission was written 60 years ago. The competitive landscape was, was very different. The, the world wasn't 
you know, MedTech wasn't global. You know, there weren't all these uh, focused startup uh, competitors that are well-funded, that are nibbling at us from all angles. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really address some of the competitive nature and the speed at which things were happening. So our, our new culture gets at, you know, a more competitive mindset. That's where the market share measure helps us with comes at being more agile and doing things faster without though cutting corners on, on quality at all or integrity. And so adding that and getting that ingrained into the company, that's, that's going to, all these other, the software I call it is going to take a little bit of time, but there's a lot of enthusiasm about it. And I'd say some of the early signs um, that we're seeing that are tangible is the, on the market share piece. I mean, we focused on that first and mm-hmm. we are seeing it show up in our, our results uh, where we're, you know, gaining share and, uh, you know, in, um, you know, more areas across the business. I noticed you, uh, you highlighted that in the, in the presentation. One thing I want to just ask about the reorg and just sort of personnel. We talked, Chris and I were talking at the podcast last week about we're seeing Medtronic people take senior positions in other companies, including a CEO position. Yeah. And how do you look at that uh, when you're doing going through this reorg, there must be an expectation that some people are going to find other opportunities, not just during a reorg at any time. How do you look at that as a CEO? Do you factor in those changes? Do you have backup plans in place yeah. already? But what, what? How do you approach that attrition issue? Yeah, I think there's two things I address. That one on the on a reorg like this, anytime you kind of shift you know, the, uh, some of the decision-making, if you will, in a company from one area to another, you're going to you know, create some disruption and you're going to have people that you don't necessarily want to leave that are going to leave. And we had some of that, not a ton, but we had some of that. Uh, um, but it was, it was within our expectations for sure. But then beyond any kind of reorg, um, when you got our 20 operating units and, and I want to be known as not just, um, you know, from I want Medtronic to be known as not just a mission-driven company uh, and a technology company, but a, 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 tech, a, a talent mm-hmm. factory. Okay. And, and there's, there's, there's pros and cons that come with that, right? The pros are you're, you're, you're attracting people, you're developing, you build these, this cap- these development programs and this culture of developing people. It's going to help your company for sure. Okay. One of the, you know, kind of the side effects of that though, is you're going to have other companies poaching your people. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I remember when I was growing up in GE, uh, back in the good days of GE, <laughs> uh, we won't talk about that now, but they were known for their training yep. programs and, and they were a management factory. And the, one of the training programs I went, which is the oldest one, it's their financial management program, you know, which was, was considered the most successful management training program in business. You know, it was entry level program. 50, it had over 50% attrition, meaning that once you graduated that program, you know, less than 50% of people stayed with GE for, you know, whatever, 10 years or more. And a lot of them would go to, you know, other companies because they were so sought after. So, and it was still a huge, a, a really great return for GE on the investment. Now, I don't want any, anywhere near that kind of turnover from our executive team, but you get the right. point. The point is we want to invest in people. There will be turnover because we're going to be a, a talent factory, but we're also going to be attracting uh, better talent on the front end. And it's just something we're going to have to if you want to be a talent factory, that's one of the things you got to contend with. Yeah, Bill Belichick being uh, filling filling coaching slots across the league. Oh, come on, you're killing me. I'm, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I don't want to hear about Bill Belichick. I would try the, I would try the statement. That's okay, but I, it is a good analogy. Except I'd like to think I don't wear hoodies. I smile a lot better, a lot more than him too. You're you're a lot more personable than he is, at least from here. 
One final thing I want to just follow up on. It was kind of news to me. Uh, there's an issue. It was brought up during the analyst questions, and I think you brought up during the presentation, but just the, the China tenders and the, and, the, and the pricing pressure on drug eluding stents. Can you, can you sort of bring me up to speed on that? And, and you seem to convey that maybe, hopefully, that Medtronic had some sort of uh, advantage in, in sort of contending with this. Well, look, anytime you take a pricing hit of that magnitude, and it's a, it's a very significant pricing hit, you know, in in, in China, mm-hmm. okay, it's been contained to China. And, and this isn't new to the coronary stent world. The, there's big major pricing differences all around the world. Um, and, and um, but but this this was a big one with China. How big was it? Taking, it was in the 90%, wow. you know, uh, okay. range, yeah. And um, so that that hurts. But what we got in return, as we were one of the five winners of this national tender, is dramatically increased volume. Um, and you know, the Chinese government actually called us and said, "Are you ready for this? And you know, are you prepared for this kind of volume?" And um, the other thing, strategically, what, what what's happening now is because of the lower price, so many of these uh, other uh, more rural cities in China, tier two, tier three cities that weren't. Uh, participating in coronary stents before are now, these hospitals are now participating in this. So we're, we're now, that's allowing us to expand our sales force out of the tier one cities into these, uh, not out, but keeping them in the tier one, but adding salespeople with all this new volume into these lower tier cities. And even though the margin is not quite the same on stents, this will uh, be um, the highway, if you will, that we launch our, our newer products that are differentiated. We don't think we're going to be hit by these type of tenders. Things like we talked about earlier, renal denervation, mm-hmm. things like um, uh, some of our um, some of their other products. So, oh, Taver, that was mm-hmm. the other one. So they, they go to that 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 same physician group. So t- our transcatheter valves, which are going to be coming in China soon, as well as renal denervation. So it allows us to expand our sales force and get ready for that. Uh, even though uh, I would rather not take the pricing hit, but that is one of the ways that we're contending with it, and overall been able to to manage it. Um, but it is for the next couple of quarters, it's going to be, it's a headwind for us. Well, great. Well, I appreciate uh, your addressing that. And I appreciate you for taking a few minutes today to uh, talk to us. I know it's a busy day. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Always have fun with it. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Once again, we'll bring you new episodes at least twice a month. So make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, we're everywhere. Push subscribe and future episodes will be sent directly to you. My name is Tom Salemi. I'm editorial director of the Device Talks programs. Please do find me on Twitter at MedTechTom. Please find me on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. And of course, you can find out more about Device Talks at devicetalks.com. Finally, don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and colleagues. Put us out there on Twitter, put us out there on LinkedIn, and please connect with me while you do. I would love to be part of those conversations. Thanks again for joining us on the Metronic Talks podcast.